Many times today you will hear it said that the religion of the Bible is one more of the world's great religions. That's not quite true because among the religions in the world, the religion of the Old Testament stands out as unique. I'll explain what I mean by that in a few minutes. Around the world, the concept of deity in all but Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, every place else, the concept of deity is precisely the same. Whether you're talking about primitives or very, very highly sophisticated people, the concept of deity is the same. First of all, the gods are identical with the forces of this world. Natural forces, psychological forces, sociological forces. In short, this world is God, and the gods represent the various forces, elements, powers of this world. That means, of course, there are many gods. You look at this world and you don't see unity, you see diversity. So there are many, many gods. And because these gods are part of this world, they can be manipulated through this world. One means of manipulation, of course, is sympathetic or imitative magic. I do something with the appropriate words and rituals and automatically the requisite god has to do that same thing. Another aspect of deity in the world is it is profoundly sexual. Male and female gods, the rituals of reproduction and fertility, these are all part of this world and therefore they're part of the gods. In the same way, the gods have no single standard of ethics. There can't be. There are good gods and bad gods. There are gods who are constructive. There are gods who are destructive. So there is no single standard of ethics. Furthermore, the gods are fundamentally unreliable. You cannot depend on them. Again, if you start with that premise that the gods are an expression of this world, then that's pretty obvious. Yes, there are dependable things in this world, but over and over again, there are things which are inexplicable and undependable and unpredictable, and so the gods are the same way. The gods will tell the truth or they will lie, depending on what they see as to their advantage. The gods, in short, are made in the image of humans. They are us, only written large, as it were. So, if you'll excuse the bad grammar, they are gooder than us, but they're also badder than us. They are kinder than us, but they're crueler than us. They are simply us, written large. These gods have no purpose or goal in existence except survival. Again, if you look at the world and you say, well, I'm going to define reality in basis of, on the basis of this physical world, that's where you're going to come out. There is no goal except to survive as long as you can with a maximum of pleasure, comfort, and security. When we look at the Old Testament, we find a very, very different picture.
Now, to be sure, there are similarities. Uh, for instance, the Canaanite god Baal is referred to as the rider in the clouds. He's the storm god. And Yahweh, in several places, is referred to as the rider in the clouds. In other words, they are using the language of their culture, but they're using it in very different ways. The first thing that we observe about this God who calls himself I am, the first thing we observe about him is he is not this world. That's what the second commandment is all about. You cannot make me in the shape of anything in this world. Ah, Yahweh is not this world. He's not the moon. He's not the wind. He's not the stars. He is not earthly love. He is not passion. And that means if he is not this world, then it's possible to think of him as one. And to be sure, that's the picture right through the Old Testament. He is one. There is no other. There is none to be compared to him. There is none like him. In that regard, magic is forbidden. You cannot use magic on God. Now, interestingly, the Old Testament nowhere says magic won't work. It's not like 19th century Europe with its uh, positivism saying, oh no, there is no supernatural realm, so magic and miracle, none of that is possible. Oh no. The Old Testament doesn't say that, but it just says you can't use it. You can't use it on God to try to make him do what you want. God is not sexed. He is not male. He is not female. Sexuality is part of creation. It's not part of God. We don't have time here to talk about that. Maybe in another one of these uh, seven-minute seminaries we ought to talk about it. But God is not sexed. God has a profound purpose for his people. We see that in the first chapter of Ephesians. He chose us before creation that we should be holy, that is, share his character, and blameless, adopted in love. God has a purpose and a plan. And you can understand that purpose and plan if you read his word. God has spoken. Now, where did the Hebrews get this idea? So radically different from all the rest. I mentioned a moment ago, three religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, which all share certain features, particularly monotheism and transcendence. All three of them got it from one single source, the Old Testament. Where did they get it? Where everybody else did by looking at this world and speculating on it and saying, well, I wonder what reality is like. Then why didn't they come out the same place? No, what they tell us is God broke in upon us. God broke into our time and space and revealed himself to us in the context of our lives and in unique non-repeatable events and persons, God showed us who He is. We didn't want to know this. This is frightening. The great thing about pagan religion is it makes the gods seem to be controllable. 
But if God is not this world, if you can't use magic on him, if he is other than we, then you can't control him. And that's scary. The Hebrew people say, we didn't want this God, but we couldn't get away from him. He broke into our life and revealed himself. To my way of thinking, that's the only adequate explanation for biblical religion, for this radically different view of Yahweh from the gods of the ancient world. Thanks.